Hello and welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper. Today is episode 89 and we are going to be discussing Jethro Tull's Thick as a Brick album for its 50th anniversary. Before we get too carried away, I just want to thank you for stopping by. I know the amount of alone time that it takes to get through a podcast isn't always easy to come by these days, so I really appreciate you entrusting me with yours. I encourage you to follow the show on any and all social media platforms so that you can be kept abreast of all the latest happenings pertaining to the show, and the channels are listed in the description. Also, if you have an appetite for a bit more content from me, consider subscribing to Dr. Cropper's Office Hour, the Apple Podcasts exclusive premium spinoff of the show. For $4.99 American per month, you get access to a weekly bonus episode, as well as priority sequence for topic requests and 10% off of merchandise. So please feel free to reach out via any of the aforementioned channels uh, if you have any questions or feedback of course but especially topic requests uh, and i'll sort of leave that at my discretion whether a request uh well gets covered of course but i i trust you guys not to ask for uh stuff that wouldn't be coverable um but i'll i'll decide uh, which show it ends up on but uh yeah i'm always curious to to hear what you might be interested in having me analyze Okay, so uh, let me know if you have a request. And lastly, before we get going, if you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review wherever you listen, those are very helpful to me. All right, so Thick as a Brick 50th Anniversary. This is my second Jethro Tull episode. We covered Aqualung, the album before this, for its 50th anniversary a year ago tomorrow, uh, episode 39. So how about that exactly 50 episodes later, which is nice for me to know that I'm on a full-time workman level pace with, uh, 50 weeks of the year. Uh, and you know, that it, uh, that my breaks that I take in July and Christmas time, even out with, uh, doubling up some weeks and stuff like that. Anyway. So, uh, I explained in that episode how I sort of got into Jethro Tull and how into them I am. So you can refer back to that one if you want a bit more elaboration. But uh, basically, I am not a huge uh, fan yet. I like most of what I've heard, but I've only heard Aqualung Thick as a Brick and Songs from the Wood. Uh, I listened to one concert of theirs about a year ago uh, from the forum in LA. I forget which year, but... Uh, quite liked it. And, uh, I think they're interesting when you want something a little different in the rock sphere with the sort of medieval vibe that you get from the flute and all of that. So anyhow, thick as a brick, Ian Anderson was surprised that many uh, fans and critics alike viewed Aqualung as a concept album when he and the rest of the band did not view it that way and still don't. They maintain that it's a collection of songs. Um, so he dreamt up Thick as a Brick as a response to that, intending for it to be a spoof of the whole concept album concept and of prog bands like Yes and Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Um, and they, uh, they planned it as a spoof along the lines of Monty Python, whom they were big fans of, and uh, lots of bands were back then, uh, Zeppelin were, the Beatles were. Um, anyhow, so 
sort of a spoof along the lines of that and the movie Airplane, which uh, came out after this, but Anderson has cited as an example of where they were going with it. So they rehearsed for two weeks in the Rolling Stones basement studio and then recorded in December of 71 at Morgan Studios in London. It took about two weeks to record with another two to three for overdubs and mixing. Uh, only the first bit was written in advance and they did have a bit of a time crunch, which uh, they've since said was kind of ludicrous to do due to themselves with such complex material. But, um, Anderson would get up early each day to write stuff for them to work on that day. And then he'd, uh, take the, the subway or the tube as they would say, or, you know, get a car over to the studio. Um, the lyrics were written first with the music, uh, concocted to fit around the lyrics. Uh, the band recalled the sessions being very fun and jovial with great camaraderie and everyone having input, which always helps. Uh, it's actually comprised of eight smaller parts, but they decided to come up with music to bridge the parts together, resulting in the album being one 43-minute, 46-second long song split in two out of necessity to fit onto vinyl. It was released on March 3rd, 1972, went number one in the States, Canada, and a few other places, and number five in the UK. It's only certified gold by the RIAA, which is 500,000 copies plus in the States, which I suppose, like, I wouldn't expect it to be a massive seller. It is uh, fairly, um, you know, it's in the deep end of rock. Uh, it wouldn't be for everybody, but uh, I think it's better than only being gold. The personnel for it, the band, Ian Anderson, vocals, acoustic guitar, flute, violin, trumpet, saxophone, accordion, and production, Martin Barr, electric guitar, lute, and flute, John Evan, piano, organ, harpsichord, Jeffrey Hammond, bass guitar, and spoken word, and Barry Moore, Barlow, drums, percussion, and timpani, and this was his first album with them. And then additional personnel, D. Palmer did the orchestral arrangements, Terry Ellis was the executive producer, and Robin Black was the engineer. Okay, so kind of in keeping with the conditions that the band made the album under, I'm under a bit of a time crunch myself with this one, and with how complex it is, it it would have taken forever to, to analyze it really in depth, which I just unfortunately didn't have the time to do, but I also think it's, it's best to just, um, like you could lose the forest for the trees doing that. I think it's best to just experience it yourself. Um, so I will go through the lyrics briefly and just highlight a few lines that stick out to me, uh, at the beginning to give you a taste, but there are, um, between verses and refrains and there's like over th there's about 30 verses and uh about a dozen refrains and stuff and they're all fairly long and wordy so we would be here all day if i uh went painstakingly line by line uh so i won't do that but uh we'll do a skim of it so by the way the the sort of mock concept uh the the album's cover was actual full-on fake newspaper with multiple pages and the the band wrote articles for it and uh 
they've said that the cover actually took longer than the actual music. Um, so the, the generally speaking, the premise is that the whole thing was supposedly written by this 12 year old boy who's a protege and was kicked out of a, um, a spelling bee or something like that for, for some silly thing. And, uh, anyway, um, it starts off really don't mind if you sit this one out, my words, but a whisper, your deafness, a shout. I've always loved that line reminds me of one of my favorite Bible verses, actually Ecclesiastes nine seventeen. better the words of a wise man heard in quiet than the loud nattering of fools. Um, I may make you feel, but I can't make you think. Another great line. Um, you know, I can create some emotional response in you with the music, but uh, you have to, to think for yourself and dissect it. Um, your sperm's in the gutter, your love's in the sink. Um, it could mean any number of things, you know, careless flings, who knows. So you ride yourselves over the fields and you make all your animal deals uh, that could be getting at sort of what we talked about in the Pink Floyd animals episode, the dogs, uh, you know, connecting uh, businessmen to, to animalistic behavior. And your wise men don't know how it feels to be thick as a brick, which is the, the refrain, of course, that repeats throughout. And uh, it comes back around to at the very end that... Uh, so you ride yourselves over the fields, make all your animal deals, and your wise men don't know how it feels to be thick as a brick. And then verse 2, and the sandcastle virtues are all swept away. Uh, that's another interesting line. Um, so suggesting that the, the, the values of either an individual or society were kind of flimsy and able to be washed away like a sandcastle. In the title, Destruction, the Moral Malay, which we uh, have been sinking ever further into for the 50 years since this came out, really. And uh, hopefully this crisis will be enough to, to be a catalyst to start to turn it around. The elastic retreat rings the close of the play, and the last wave uncovers the newfangled way. But your new shoes are worn at the heels. Uh, I've always thought that was an interesting line. Not, uh, it's not obvious what it would mean. I don't think, but um, it puts an image in your head that you could take a few different ways. And your suntan does rapidly peel. Uh, well, I guess when you look at the two of them together, that could be uh, suggesting some vanity and criti criticizing that, um, saying these. Uh, you know, this marker of, uh, uh, of beauty and, um, I suppose, uh, like a, a class thing that you had the luxury to go somewhere where you can get a tan in the winter kind of thing. Um, it can rapidly peel away. Skip ahead to verse five. See there a son is born and we pronounce him fit to fight. There are black heads on his shoulders and he pees himself in the night. So obviously a, a boy that's just starting to get to, to adolescence and he's declared fit to fight, uh, that in, uh, in line with the flute playing and stuff 
sort of gives me more of a medieval image since uh, usually, at least in the the so-called first world, you don't have uh, people who are barely at puberty going off to war. In the, uh, in the sixth verse, there's an interesting line, the doer and the thinker, no allowance for the other. There's often that sort of uh, dichotomy between those who are more uh, cerebral, look before you leap, sort of uh, people who are wired that way and those who always want to get into action and just do stuff. It's sort of like an introvert-extrovert difference, but uh, more nuanced than that in the whole personality type thing. But that is a problem of everybody viewing their personality type or their way of thinking and interacting with world with the world as the correct way and not uh, making allowance for the other. And it carries on for uh, quite a while longer, but I think we'll cut it off there. But some very uh, astute observations about society throughout it. Um, and then musically, it's quite complex with odd time signatures thrown in, uh, in line with the parody concept, kind of to be deliberately complex, you know, a few bars of this, a bar of that, little idiosyncratic sections tossed in, um, virtuosic playing from all of them, uh, the drums, obviously I notice a lot as a drummer and, you know, for for your first album to with a band to be something as as adventurous as this uh it really does a great job um it's alternatingly tranquil triumphant graceful punishing and so on uh, and uh, has its humorous moments just purely musically too uh like some of the music just sounds funny even without the lyrics um for something that was constructed kind of piecemeal the way that they built it as they went uh, with Anderson writing stuff each morning and then they work on it, uh, considering that sort of method, it flows really well. Um, there are clever reprisals of themes and motifs throughout to lend some sense of comfort and home. Uh, combines hard rock, metal, prog, folk, medieval, classical, baroque uh, really seamlessly and uh, they sound good together, which um, kind of became a hallmark of uh, if it wasn't already trending that way for um, for like uh, prog and uh, and metal bands to to mix those genres. But uh, I would say this is probably one of the first. Um, I mean, well, I guess Led Zeppelin four not all of those, not really the classical and Baroque, but uh, it had sort of done that, not in this uh, concept album way, uh, came out just before Toll uh, made this. I wonder if that was some influence. Um, I mean, they were probably inspired a bit by Toll too before that. But anyway, um, I think it's really impressive that they were able to master such complex material in such a short period of time. In terms of general thoughts about Thick as a Brick, a lot of concept albums, in my opinion at least, collapse under the weight of their own pretension, but the humor here 
keeps it light and refreshing. I think it's hilarious that in making fun of Prague and concept albums, and by the way, they didn't mean it targeted at any, you know, artists like in a mean spirited way, they thought that it would be threefold uh, poking fun at critics themselves and the fans. Um, they, uh, you know, it was at, at least as self-deprecating as it was anything else. But um, I think it's hilarious that in making fun of the whole concept album thing in this Monty Python airplane style thing, they actually created one of the greatest prog concept albums, at least in my estimation. Um, I would, uh, originality, I'd give it a five out of five songwriting and lyrics, definitely give it a five, uh, to be able to, well, come up with basically like 35, 40 verses that are pretty loquacious and, uh, and clever is very impressive. And then to come up with, uh, intricate music that to match that, um, while it's being, you know, with both the lyrics and the music, while they're being deliberately complex to kind of make fun of the whole thing and, uh, kind of a bit, uh, like willfully obtuse yet still, you know, sound really good and say some, uh, some thoughtful things along the way. That's a challenge because, um, lots of spoof stuff like, okay, you, you accurately spoofed it, but it, but it's not like actually pleasing. I wouldn't just listen to it and enjoy hearing it, but that's not the case here. Um, so, and then thematic cohesion, I would also give it a five. Um, uh, that's, I don't, I don't think that's a, a difficult call considering that it's just one giant song and, uh, both lyrically and instrumentally, the, the themes are, are woven throughout very nicely. Sonic palette and production, I would give it a five too. Uh, it sounds powerful and punchy, but very clear, which, uh, sometimes you give up one or the other, especially back then. Um, and even the acoustic guitar cuts through the mix really nicely. Uh, at the heavier parts, which is cool. Flow, definitely a five. And just pure technical performance is a five too. Um, it's one thing to write all this stuff, but to execute it so smoothly is quite another. In terms of placing it within Jethro Tull's catalog, as I've said, I've only heard it, Aqualung, and Songs from the Wood. I definitely like Aqualung and Thick as a Brick better than Songs from the Wood. Uh, it, uh, it's hard. Aqualung and Thick as a Brick are quite different since Aqualung is a more traditional collection of songs. And this is, a um, uh, as they said, uh, you know, people thought Aqualung was a concept album and they said, oh no, we'll give you the, the mother of all concept albums if that's what you think. Um, so it's kind of hard to compare one giant song versus a traditional collection of songs. Um, I love both, but I probably like thick as a brick a little bit better, to be honest. Um, 
Aqualong does have some songs that I really like that I go back to and listen on their own, uh, but maybe a few that I was a little more so-so on. I don't know. They're both great. It's a pretty, pretty tough call. In terms of scoring and ranking Thick as a Brick, uh, as I was just saying, it's it's really a different sort of thing to your more typical album, so it's hard to compare. But I think it does what it does perfectly. I can't think of what I'd change about it. Like I would probably give it uh, a 5 out of 5, in all honesty. Now, do I rank it ahead of the the other albums I've given fives to so far, like Sgt. Pepper and Led Zeppelin Four, Sticky Fingers. Uh, n- no, but it's it almost should be a different category. Uh, the only album we've talked about so far that would be kind of comparable in that regard would be Animals by Pink Floyd, since it's uh, basically just three 10-plus-minute songs with the, the little acoustic bookend of Pigs on the Wing. Um, that would be a kind of fair comparison to Thick as a Brick. I probably like animals a little bit more, but uh, I don't know. I, I think you kind of have to give Thick as a Brick a five because it, it does what it's trying to do perfectly, and I think what it's trying to do is a, a cool and unique thought. So... Yeah, according to acclaimed music, it is the 41st most celebrated of 1972, 375th most celebrated of the 70s, and 1583rd most celebrated album of all time. I think that is grossly underrated. There's no way there are 40 albums better than it from 1972. Um, I wouldn't say there are 40 albums better than it from any of the years in the 70s but uh 72 was a bit of a down year for studio releases when i was doing the scheduling for the year i was surprised because last year uh there were a ton of great 50th anniversaries from 1971 72 has a few biggies like exile on main street which we'll talk about in may but um yeah i uh i think 41st for the year is way underrated for thick as a brick. I would have it in my top 50 at the very least for like my personal list, which I haven't, uh, ironed out maybe, uh, 25 to 30 would be more likely. I don't know. Okay. So that's about all. I am sorry that it's shorter. As I said, I have a bit of a time crunch and also, I'm not as well versed in in Tull and in analyzing this style of music, so it's a little tougher for me to talk for a long time. But I do uh, really love this album and think it's uh, pretty excellent at what it does. So you should go check it out. As I said at the beginning, I encourage you to follow the show on any and all social media platforms so that you can be kept abreast of all the latest happenings pertaining to the show. And the channels are listed in the description. Also, if you have an appetite for a bit more content, consider subscribing to Dr. Cropper's Office Hour on Apple Podcasts for $4.99 American per month. You get weekly bonus episodes. Uh, Right now, we're in the middle of a series over there comparing the Beatles and Stones five album peaks. 
uh, just did the White Album versus Exile on Main Street today, and we'll wrap it up with Abbey Road versus Goat's Head Soup next week. So lots of good stuff happening over there. And uh, that also gets you 10% off of merchandise. Uh, so if that interests you, let me know. If you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review wherever you listen, those are very helpful to me. And if you have a topic that you're passionate about and feel that you could add to the discourse around, consider starting your own show. It's a lot of fun. And if you sign up with my hosting service, Buzzsprout, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card courtesy of your affiliation with me. Uh, lastly, you may notice in the description, wherever you're listening, the buy me a coffee link, the virtual tip jar, no pressure, of course, but if you feel so inclined, it helps me stay awake while listening to all of this great music and analyzing it for you. So, uh, very much appreciated. And, uh, of course, thank you for stopping by. If you are new to the show, then welcome, and I hope you liked what you heard. And if you've been listening for a while, thank you so much for your loyalty. It means a lot. Next week, we are going to be talking about U2's The Joshua Tree album for its 35th anniversary. And my brother Spencer may or may not be joining us. I have to uh, check in with him and see if he still wants to. Okay, so have a great weekend, and I will talk to you then. Class dismissed.